0: Hello, and welcome to Runway Girl Network In Conversation, a deep dive into aviation and the passenger experience. I'm RGN Deputy Editor John Walton, and today I'm in conversation with Bergis Norddal, a photographer and industry observer based near Reykjavik. Berdís, welcome to In Conversation. I'm excited to talk about Iceland today. Yeah, hello. Hello. Before we get started, thanks to our sponsor Bolteron, a Simona company purveyor of high-performance thermoplastics for tomorrow's aircraft interiors. Next time you settle into your seat on an airplane and pull the window shade closed, consider the colour, thinness and opacity of that material, designed precisely to keep the sunlight out so you can rest. That's Bolteron. Learn more at b-o-l-t-a-r-o-n dot Let's jump right in. I mean, last time I was in Reykjavik, someone from Iceland Air joked that Keflavik Airport, their home base, is something like the largest aircraft carrier in the North Atlantic. Um, yeah. So, how has aviation developed in Iceland? Um, you know, since the days of, of uh, Loftleder, the uh, to airline flying uh, old yeah. Canadair, what was it, CL 44s uh, yeah. a- across the uh, <laughs> across the Atlantic with. Uh, 189 seats on them way back in the day. <laughs> yeah, it's mostly good, but also bad. Obviously, we have Iceland Air now um, and, yeah. and WoW Air developing. Um, yeah. Where do they each respectively sit in terms of their strengths, particularly in, in the perception of the local market? Well, Iceland Air is a full service, mostly
1: carrier, so they, they are higher regarded. Also, they have a bigger fleet, so they can respond to any failures and such
0: much better. Currently, you see the Iceland Air as really a Boeing operation and WoW yeah. is as Airbus. Um, tell me a little bit more about that. Um, what can Iceland Air respond to that, that WoW Air can't? Mostly by having
1: extra planes, especially in winter, available right away. But it's harder in the summer, always. But winter is like they have a few spare planes,
0: essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the peak season for the market is the summertime, correct? Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and what roughly is the split between, um, I guess, Iceland market, um, both inbound and outbound, and connecting market, obviously over Keflavik. Wow, I was talking about 50-50. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's interesting. So, and is, yeah. is, is that mostly people coming into Iceland for, for tourism and business? Or is it um, mostly Icelandic people traveling?
1: Both Icelanders have been traveling much more recently than after the depression. So after the cr- market crash, so the market is improving. It's almost 2007
0: again. Mm-hmm. So where do where does the Icelandic market want to travel? Is it is it to Europe? Is it to the states? Is it is it both? Mostly both. Europe is very popular. America is very popular. Also. I mean, and and is it uh, sun, sea, and sands destinations, or is it city culture, or what? What's the what's the current trend? I think the
1: well, the Mediterranean summer holidays are always popular. Mm-hmm. Also, city travel is up. More culture and so like you have the culture in Iceland is expanding with the improved living standards, and so it goes with that that travel to cultural cities is
0: also up. Interesting. I mean, to to what extent did that um, sort of 2007 crash uh, affect the uh, Icelandic travel market?
1: Well, it basically disappeared, mostly. Icelanders stopped flying abroad and Icelanders had to refinance themselves. I think they were close to going under. They had to take a few years in actually rebuilding. Then you have the 2010 and 2011 eruptions. Especially 2010, that paralyzed part of Europe and got Iceland famous. <laughs> then the market started to
0: explode. Um, you know, I was looking at the Iceland Air uh, fleet the other day, and the number yeah. of sources they have for their Boeing Seven Five Sevens is is really impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit more about the the role of that aircraft um, and the passenger experience on board in, I guess, sort of developing really modern Icelandic aviation, right? Well, the 757 is, I can say, the perfect aircraft
1: for Iceland. Mm -hmm. You have the range for most of America and almost all of Europe. You have the perfect number of seats for Iceland. It's not perfect anymore, but it was perfect at the time based on the number of passengers and all that. And also they can be bought very cheap. There are like piles of them in, in the desert in America. Just ex American and all those that are like just parked waiting for us there.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah exactly I mean though of course they've taken 767s seven, in recent years as yeah. part of the capacity growth that they're seeing yeah. uh, tell me more about that decision where did that come from?
1: It's easy when you think about the, some places in Europe have like two planes wing to wing every day so yeah, after that is the 787 orders the 767 was like the right aircraft time and the CEO of Iceland has said in an interview a few years ago that they had stopped the one plane fits all and started right sizing.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, yeah, that, that, that makes some sense. Um, and obviously yeah. we're seeing some renewed interest in the 767 from passenger carriers. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. the scuttlebutt in Seattle at the moment, of course, is that they're looking to reopen <laughs> yeah. that, that line for passenger use. I mean, they've maintained it for military and freighters, of course. Um, yeah. with, with the suggestion that United is going to launch a, yeah. a particularly large order. Um, yeah. in that case, do you think Icelandair would also be interested in some, some late model 767s? I think so, especially if the seven eight seven is
1: continues to be expensive on the market. And like I think, because the seven six seven is always going to be cheaper than the seven eight seven, so the numbers will
0: be much more favourable for the seven Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess looking at at the Iceland Air market, the seven eight seven can feel a little bit like, um, and this is something of a cliche, but I think it's probably true, too much airplane. Right. I mean you don't you mm. what what what's what's your thinking on that? It can
1: exist for a few for like Asia and bigger places in in Europe and America. But as as a world plane patrol, no way. Mm-hmm. Like they are taking the seven three seven marks, both the eight and the 9 Mm-hmm. So they are stop using just the seven five seven. Yeah. Because they're getting older and not big enough and all that mm-hmm. but sometimes the seven five nine is too big especially on smaller markets like what I say Halifax and Birmingham Billund Philadelphia and all that mhm
0: yeah and i have i've noticed that Iceland um has recently been uh starting some new Bombardier Dash Eight operations, right, to, to yeah. closer in destinations. Um, yep. Tell me more about that. Who's who's flying on those routes? Is it a corporate route? Is it um, leisure destinations? I think it's mostly leisure. Mm-hmm.
1: But Greenland is expanding, also. Mm-hmm. You have Greenland flying both Dash Eight and Dash Sevens to Greenland, to especially Nuuk and other places in Greenland from Keflavik, and yeah. They're flying Aberdeen and other places for Icelandair.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. I, I guess my, my my question is on board. How consistent can they make the passenger experience between? I guess you know you you jump on a seven six seven at JFK and you you transit to a to a dash eight. Um, compared with what Icelandair has previously offered, um, where you know yeah. you you're changing planes but you get a 7.5... five. All the yeah. way, right? How how are they how are they working that? I think the, well, that said, there's a much
1: more newer plane than the fucking fifties mm-hmm. they had before. But I think I haven't flown them actually. But I think the product is very like not that different from the seven fives. It's like the seats are all modern and slimline, mm-hmm. and so you. Of course, the aircraft is smaller, and you have the propellers and all that, but I think you it's not like you're jumping on a let's say Hercules or something <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> no absolutely yeah. but one of the things I've always found interesting about Iceland air is it's it's real dedication to segmenting um what's well, actually yeah. quite a quite a small market in terms of passenger experience diversity i mean up front they've yeah. still got those uh, what is it, it's an Avio Interiors Andromeda seat in, in Saga class, which is the, the business yeah. class. Um, and that's really just a, a – it's a recliner. It's a, quite a nice recliner and a comfortable yeah. one, but it is it is just a recliner. Um, and then they have the Economy Comfort, um, which is what I flew yeah. when I last flew Um, uh, um And I, I find that a really interesting proposition because um, essentially – in, in, inside class, you get the full business class experience, right? Separate, uh, yeah. full business class yeah. meal and so on. Um, but in economy comfort, you get the, the uh, your choice of the, of, of anything you want off the, um, well, apart from the, apart from the champagne, that is, um, but yeah. a- anything you want off the, off the menu. Um, and, and I find that a really compelling proposition, um, because actually, you know yeah. my last flight was a was a day flight from uh london to uh, washington dc um so it was a day flight both ways um, quite a quick flight and actually i didn't really need a big a, a quote unquote a big meal um so i found that really really interesting as a proposition um what's the perception among icelandic travelers about that do do, do people appreciate the 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 inclusivity, or are they just looking for the space? What's the what's the selling point for economy comfort on the domestic market? Mm. I don't
1: think the economy comfort and business class is marketed that heavily locally. Hmm. It's more like they are running ad campaigns recently about with the slogan "Your home in the sky," where they show like families in their homes, but to see the airplane window outside. So it's like Others' references to the lack of luxury in WoW's low-cost model mm-hmm. versus their like, free wi- free free baggage and Wi-Fi and all that better seats.
0: Okay, oh, yeah. interesting. Do you think that's because they, you know, obviously WoW doesn't offer a, a premium product, um, but do, do you think that's because they now have to compete in that market so that's why they're yeah. advertising? Yeah, you can see like WoW is
1: adding like, twice as many destinations in Obviously the
0: Obviously what what I find fascinating about the uh, about the the market is is the growth of 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 wow. Um, yeah. and <laughs> not just because they're they're flying to my new home airport uh, which means that yeah. that'll make it a, a really interesting transatlantic offer. Um, but they've been able to go so cheap that people are um, are really starting to take notice. I mean, you know, less than $100 yeah. transatlantic. Um do you think that's sustainable, or are they going to keep doing that sort of lead-in pricing? I think they will continue that model for a while. Mm-hmm. They have
1: big capital and big money, like channels, so they they
0: can't sustain it for at least a few years, at least. Yeah, where's their where's their money coming from? Is it is, do they have sort of, um, deep-pocketed investors behind them, or is it what they're? Yeah, yeah they do. Okay, interesting. Who, who, is,
1: who is that? CEO is, well, mostly the CEO who's an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and was in the telephone business and IT business before. Ah. So he has some pockets yeah. and also has big access to
0: good loans and money channels. I see. In- interesting. Um, now, obviously, one of the key things that, that people are looking at um, when these days when they travel is in-flight connectivity. Um, which Icelandair yeah. has been offering um, over its yeah. uh, Global Eagle Ku band yeah. system, um, but Wow still doesn't offer. Is that I mean, obviously that's that's a big thing for the international connecting market? Is it is it a notable part of the um, decision process for Icelandic travellers in that case? Not that I'm,
1: not close to me. Mm-hmm. It's mostly price and like routing. And such, but actually, Wauer wow has said like they won't add any in-flight entertainment and Wi-Fi, at least when they said that a few years ago, uh, due to weight and cost, which fits a, which fits their low-cost model.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I I mostly buy that, um, except yeah. that you know I guess we keep going to these um, trade shows for the passenger experience industry, yeah. and we keep seeing these vendors who say yes, we can put this very low weight box. Um, yeah. in your overhead bin, um, so very minimal intrusion into the aircraft, um, very minimal installation time, very minimal cost. Is is while wow taking a leaf out of the Ryanair playbook here, and being purposefully and publicly even more low cost than they need to be, in order to persuade people that they have cheap fares. Yeah, but also
1: they do have cheap fares. Like, I on made a comparison recently that, like New York and other places, it was like half price for yeah I was looking at Florida also mm-hmm. it was like half price you can get a a three thirty to miami from for half the price of a seven five seven to Tampa, for example, hm, yeah, and also same with New York, but you do end up in Newark.
0: That's yeah
1: only problem
0: well you know some people like that um yeah you know i i i remember when my parents live north of new york city they always prefer to get to newark yeah. rather than have to drive to jfk um and and yeah. you know um i i guess it's the same with um with a lot of the 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 wow destinations right their choice to go to bwi yeah. for example in in baltimore yeah. washington um but half half the fare that's that's yeah. that's really interesting. Um, yeah. I guess people can entertain themselves for, for, for yeah. that length of time. Um, I mean, what what I guess what do what do Icelanders prioritize at that point? Is it is it do they go for the ultra cheapest welfare and and try and stuff whatever they can in their cabin bags, or do they say, look, I got a, a cheap fare and I am happy to spend a little bit more on some ancillary options? I think it's bit of both. Mm-hmm. At least, on more, the second option, because
1: it, oftentimes, even if you add the back fees, it's still cheaper than Iceland Air.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I know that um, Cynthia Drescher, one of my RGN colleagues. Yeah. Um, she flew Wow, and and her takeaway was really, look, you definitely need to know what you're getting into, but yeah, from a from a sort of slightly premium economy point of view, and that's lowercase premium economy, not premium economy um but from a sort of slightly better than very back of the bus option because they sell the extra legroom seats um and few people want to buy them you actually have a a a really spacious experience up there um which which i find i I find really interesting in terms of of their product um now i keep hearing that wow may or may not decide to put some you know actual premium seating in their a330s what's your take on whether that's likely to happen
1: Well, it's possible. They have the big seat option Mm -hmm. that is the Zotiak 5810, Mm -hmm. if I remember correctly, that it's at 37 inches Mm -hmm. of pitch. Yeah. But it's like that is, you won't, it's hard for you to get comfortable in that
0: yeah it's so. it's that's that's a that's i a i a i think it's a little bit less than than icelandair offers with their yeah um with their andromedas but yeah. i guess also it's only available on the a three thirties and not 30. the a three twenty um yeah. whereas Icelandair will offer you unless you're flying on the q 400s um they'll offer you a, a proper business class seat for the whole trip um which i think is a that's an interesting and useful differentiator there
1: yeah but you do get better pitch at the front of the A320s.
0: Yeah, I oh, guess uh, yeah, that's, that, that's certainly yeah. true. But
1: also, last year I travelled on the Wauer A321s to London, mm-hmm. and I was sat way in the back, so like the space wasn't my biggest issue. Hmm. My biggest issue was the seats. The old seats from the older A321s were a bit cramped, but the seats were fine. On the newer A321s with the new slimline seats, the space was good when you have the pocket up, not at your feet. But the seat was really hard. Cushion was very thin. Mm. Seat cushion. I had that problem on Lufthansa also. So so I don't really like the slimline seats personally. So
0: it's it's the same um, Recaro seats that Lufthansa introduced yeah. as, as NEK, isn't it? Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting. They they seem to be a kind of a love hate seat. Um, yeah. You know, I I I certainly prefer them flying around Europe um, on yeah. on Lufthansa and on the Lufthansa group airlines that have them. Yeah. Um, I, but that's just you know maximum a two hour flight potentially yeah. connecting to another two hour flight. Um, but, but once on, you get over that, but on the Lufthansa flight, I had much better
1: pick versus Huawei. Yeah, so. It was more comfortable.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I I I feel as you could reasonably expect yeah. from a full service airline yeah. <laughs> versus an ultra yeah. LCC. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 fascinating to me how um you know how the decision to to prefer a uh, a slimline seat both from an airline and a passenger point of view yeah. happens.
1: Another point was like I also flew Austrian on the Embraer 195s. That was surprisingly comfortable was like surprisingly roomy with the same similar slimline seats sort of triple but still i didn't feel the harshness of the seats in that flight
0: yeah yeah it's it's interesting isn't it those those can be exceedingly comfortable um yeah i i flew one from uh geneva to helsinki with Finnair recently um yeah. and i i just kept thinking you know actually this is This is one of those economy experiences that I'm going to continue to try and seek out, just because it it is that much more spacious and comfortable, and there's just something about that 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 is a premium experience, even though you know, even if you're only paying for economy. Um, Yeah. Now, I I guess what isn't a premium experience these days is transiting through Keflavik. Right, it is a a very crowded airport at the moment. Yeah, um, and I I hear a lot of people saying, you know, look, especially at peak time, that's a big problem, right? Because both yeah. Air and Wow have these um, various waves of flights going in and departing yeah. very quickly. Um, what's the overcrowding situation like at the moment? It can be
1: a mess in the summer, especially in the summer at the peak times. It's like, but I personally. My travel this summer was outside of peak travel and was like fine, mostly empty and just fine. Yeah. So
0: you you travelled outside peak hours on purpose, did you? No, just for the Lufthansa flight. Ah, I see. Right. So so taking yourself out of the um, transatlantic connection window, I guess yeah 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 that makes that makes a lot of sense um what's the airport working on in terms of improving that experience are they expanding um terminal capacity are they adding more gates what what's going on there they have been adding more terminal capacity
1: they even built a set building next door to move the like backs system and all that probably to free up space in the terminal mm-hmm And also warehousing and all that. Right. Also, they have been expanding. Like, uh, Iceland, they built a new lounge this summer Mm -hmm. that is like on on the third third
0: floor instead of the basement. Mm -hmm. And like much bigger than before. Yeah. Yeah. I visited that basement lounge and it was nice, but it. It yeah. was also a basement. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 yeah. it's it looks good. What what's been the response from from travellers on that one? I think it's been good. A little I've heard it's been good. Now, of course, it would be wrong to talk about Iceland only in the context of Icelandic carriers. We've already mentioned Lufthansa yeah. and um, the U.S. airlines are also trying to break into yeah. the market, correct, with the recent tourism yeah. boom. Um, yeah. What's going on there? Do, do, do people want to fly them? Um, is it, is it practicable? Yeah. I, I know you had some issues paying for tickets, of all things. <laughs> yeah, that was United. Mm-hmm.
1: And and what was the problem? It starts with the Icelandic angle first. The Delta has been flying to Kepler for a few years with the 757s. And I think they have been doing good. But also those prices are a bit high for the Icelandic market, but that's another problem also. But now we have United coming next summer, which is also with the 757. It's just to show that the 757 is the perfect aircraft for Iceland. (laughs) (laughs) So, but about the United, both this spring and this fall, I was booking a flight for a family member, but you can't choose Iceland when you're putting in your
0: credit card number. Iceland doesn't exist. That seems like something of an omission for United. Yeah. Was it a mistake, or did they specifically... Um, You know, is it is it some sort of anti-fraud situation that they don't want to take Icelandic credit cards? To be honest, I don't know. Yeah, but also I had just after
1: United didn't work this fall. I tried American also for domestic U.S. flight. You can't, you could choose Iceland, but you were re- redirected back to home Huh. Yeah, so like it didn't work properly, and also. That family talked to American. They basically said not a problem.
0: That that certainly seems like something they might want to to look into. That's a yeah. That's that's an odd situation for for airlines to be in. Um and and look, I mean, it's it it may seem like a a silly or weird thing, but actually, not being able to purchase those tickets is going to be a big problem. You know, there yeah. are frequent flyers who are who, who are Iceland based. Um, I was talking to Lufthansa and they said that it's actually one of their Stronger non-German markets um, simply because people value the connectivity from Reykjavik into secondary European cities where Icelandair doesn't fly. Um, yeah. So it, it it does strike me as strange that that's not something that that works easily and simply. Um, yeah. But you know, it's one of those one of those tricks of the. I guess the the e-commerce. I mean, it's no longer a revolution, is yeah. it? It's the status quo um, within aviation, yeah. right? Um,
1: but also. After that failed, I went to easy
0: easiest solution: Southwest. Yeah, that worked totally fine. Yeah, And again, why? Why would that? Yeah. <laughs> why would the, the airline that you know has only just started flying internationally out of the US? Uh, yeah. Why would that one be easier than the others? I it's it is it is weird, isn't it? Um, yeah. But Absolutely. I guess so. Looking to the future. Um, what's what's next for 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 Iceland there and for Wow? Is it expansion? Is it consolidation? Is it something else? Mostly expansion.
1: Mm-hmm. This year has been, let me say, crazy for new routes versus a few years previous. You have like Iceland had in Berlin, but that was in response to a Berlin going under. Mm-hmm. There were also Dublin, I think Dublin, but also the surprise. Cleveland, Ohio.
0: Yeah. Well I mean what what's their logic on that route? I mean, I I'm, I'm sure there are there are a bunch of people in Cleveland who want to travel, but what's yeah. is is it still part of this, you know, ability to add secondary cities with a connection over, over Keflavik? Yeah. I think so. And especially with the new Maxis. Mm-hmm.
1: With so they can fly to secondary cities and still make good numbers.
0: Yeah. Yeah that's that is something of a testament to the economics of the 737 max I think. Yeah. Um you know and and obviously that's been one of the things that um that Iceland has been looking for uh, is 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 this replacement aircraft. Um yeah. now obviously it can't serve all of the markets that the 757 nope. does. Um but I guess you know look if if you're especially looking at the you know the the larger aircraft, the the Max nine and and the relatively new Max ten. Um, yeah, that's certainly something that 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 starts being persuasive. I think for for an airline like Iceland Air that that is looking to replace in some cases, um, upgauge and then expand at a at a lower um, a, a, at a yeah. lower capacity. But there
1: is one key difference from the seven thirty seven Max and the seven five seven. That is cargo space. Yeah. Cargo volume. I remember when the Icelandic search and rescue team went to Haiti after the earthquake there. The Icelanders flew them to Haiti on a 757, but then they were picked up with a, what was it? Air Iceland, no, Iceland Express 737. I was told they had to leave a few cases behind of equipment. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and look, you know, one of the things that that I'm always struck by is every so often I see an um, an Icelandair cargo 757 going past. Yeah, um, and so that's that's obviously a very big part of that market that they're yeah. that they're hoping to to reach. Um, and you know you can get those ULD containers in a 757, but yeah. not in a 73. Um, yeah. So, what do you think is Icelandair's strategy there? Will they? Um, Fly some of the seven five seven cargo aircraft, will they convert some of the older seven five sevens to cargo? I'm not sure that many planes will go to cargo, but
1: maybe one or two mm-hmm. at most yeah but the cargo market tanked following the two thousand seven recession mm-hmm. so they actually got rid of the third freighter they had, yeah, they were now down to two freighters. The cargo market has been growing again.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, I mean that's 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 certainly handy. Um, you know, the ability to get yeah. from a secondary city to a secondary city with um, a single stop and fast cargo um, yeah. is is obviously a big part of the world economy on the on the transatlantic uh, side of the world, anyway um but but let's let's turn our attention to to wow, what does their future look like? Is it adding more three thirties and three twenty families? I think so
1: they are have orders for three eight to thirteen years mm-hmm. so and they have said they are looking at asia yeah which is, that has which been which is a really market yeah that has been a market that has been almost completely forgotten from Iceland. But you have Japanese and other Asian countries that are interested, other tourists from Asia that are interested in flying to Iceland. Hmm. But, but Iceland does not have a travel agreement, an air carriage agreement with Japan.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, I, 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 I know that the. Um, I, I know that JAO offers a number of yeah. charter flights. But that's not yep. the same as scheduled uh, flight agreements, is it?
1: No, they can't sell those tickets in Iceland, only in Japan. Yeah. But the Icelandic government, few other governments, have been trying, have been pushing Japan in making an agreement. But Japan is dragging their feet in making an agreement.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
1: So, so J- JAL has to fly the planes empty back home.
0: Yeah. Yeah it's it's it, it is fascinating isn't it the 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 way that the political um barriers to aviation are are still there in some ways yeah um and uh, yeah it's that is obviously one of those markets um you know both the japanese market and the chinese market which is continuing to grow i mean even though japan is um seeing a declining population for demographic reasons yeah. um you know they Japanese people still love to travel internationally and particularly yeah. to, to, to Europe. I mean, it's one of the, one of the, yep. the continually strong markets in a number of European countries. Um, and of course, the appetite of, uh, of China's growing middle classes for travel is, yeah. is going to be you know, the story of the next 50 years. Um, so mm-hmm. if WOW can do that, um, does that automatically mean that the Chinese carriers will be able to, you know, let's say, let's say WOW manages to open up China routes. The Chinese carriers will be allowed um, entry into the Iceland market. What do what do Icelanders do currently? Do they transit via Europe or the states to Asia? Yeah, mostly Europe. I think Helsinki
1: and Amsterdam and other big hubs.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: Helsinki is a big transit hub for Asia.
0: Yeah, yeah. We talked. Uh, I think it was our last episode to uh, Olivainio, um, in in Helsinki, well, he was in Olu at the time, uh, but about the Helsinki hub's uh, role in uh, in in serving uh, those those European markets to Asian markets, um, and and yeah, it's it's an interesting point to to remember that Iceland is is indeed one of those secondary markets as far as no. um, as, as far as Finnair is concerned. No, well, Iceland
1: Finnair did start Keflavik this summer, mm-hmm. even have Iceland that has. Had two flights a day to Helsinki, yeah. And Finnair had one, and yeah. I noticed the prices on Icelandair dropped when I Finnair started. Yeah,
0: yeah. What what were travellers doing? Were they were Icelandair and Finnair co-chair partners before? Was that yeah. how that worked? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Co-chair. Um, now, if Finnair can do it themselves, I guess that makes <laughs> mm. <laughs> that, that makes some sense for them. Um, yeah. yeah, it's. It, it really does remind me how how interlinked all of the um, the, the various aspects of aviation are around, around Europe, and particularly around Northern Europe. Yeah. That's it for today's conversation. Uh, we certainly hope you enjoyed it, and we're always keen to find out what listeners think. Please feel free to email me at john at runwaygirlnetwork.com with your suggestions. And thank you also to our guest, Bergis Nordal. Bertis, where can our listeners find you? I'm mostly on Twitter. And what's your Twitter username? It's, so it's Beggi underscore North. It's B E G G I underscore North, and a hearty follow recommendation from me. Um, Berdis has a lot of really interesting information on the on the Icelandic market, often translated from from Icelandic. So, which is not yeah. a language that I speak. So, I do recommend that <laughs> listeners follow her for 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 information on this very interesting and and currently very hot travel market. Well. Hot in the proverbial terms, though I suspect as we move towards <laughs> yeah. November, it's no longer quite as, as toasty as it can be in the summertime. As ever, you can find me on Twitter at That's John and everything from RGN on Twitter at runwaygirl and at RunwayGirlNetwork.com. Thanks for listening.